In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, my podcast series. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. Now, this is my May episode of my podcast series. If you want to find out more about me or previous guests, feel free to listen to past episodes. And you can do that either directly on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go to the voiceamerica.com business channel. And be sure to download the app or just simply tune in using your favorite podcast app. Now, if you missed my last podcast, I interviewed Fadwa Gamidin. We discussed interpersonal communication challenges. And Fadwa is doing amazing work with neurodiversity with groups who, specifically with groups that have ADHD and autism. And it was an eye opener for me and just really like one little thing. And Karen, I'm going to stop and introduce you to the listeners because I want to tell you about something I learned from Great, great. So welcome, Karen. Hi, (laughs) nice to see you. (laughs) You too. So listeners, my guest today is Karen Cody. She's an international talent and leadership development expert. Her tagline is, your professional development, my purpose, my passion. (laughs) And so before I tell the listeners your bio, Karen, I want to share more about Fadwa. She simply gave me this brilliant idea that when you're in a classroom and you notice someone seems either distracted or agitated, and this is my interpretation of how she explained it to me, is it may be somebody who's on the spectrum. And it may be that there's too much noise, too much sound, that's the same thing, too much light. And so... Sometimes just a matter of checking in with them saying, you know, is there something in the environment that we can adjust to make you feel more comfortable? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's doable. I I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think I would have been in uh, the idea of working with someone who's uh, on the spectrum has intimidated me, although I probably have worked with many people like that because they're very smart, intelligent people and are in a lot of the fields I work with, with, with engineers. And so it was, it was just incredibly reassuring conversation with Fadwa. I like that. I, I really like that. Thank you for sharing because I think it's something I can really think about, tap into and ask that same question about around comfort in, in a classroom. I think that's great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So listeners, back to Karen. <laughs> As a bi-national, originally from the U.S., Karen has lived in Switzerland for over 40 years working her her entire career through EMEA and in the last six years around the globe. With over 30 years as an HR professional, developing, coaching, and training talents at all levels of an organization, Karen successfully supported the professional development, the personal growth of individuals and teams from trainees to C-suite executives in highly matrixed international organizations to universities and nonprofits. This is the particularly cool part about Karen. There's lots of cool things. 
the listeners, at the age of 55 in 2015, Karen created her own business. With Cody International, Karen focuses on leadership and talent development. And she's particularly passionate for support. Her particular passion is supporting women. As she says, in my early career, I didn't have female role models at work. I didn't have the support of coaching and mentoring, nor a clear career path. So I'm passionate about giving to women what I wished I had from the beginning of my career. That's so awesome. Yeah, thanks. And it's really true. I did have a great, great boss and, and mentor um, further on in my career at Eden. But when I was young in my career, I didn't have that. Um, I, I worked in an organization that was very male driven, you know, the men were up here and the women were down here and, and, uh, I navigated poorly my emotions, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. need for support, my desire to grow, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, it's become part of my mission, I guess I would say. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. as I'm thinking about it, I can imagine that for a lot of people when they're not feeling supported in this case, as a young woman in your career, I would imagine feeling um, the word gaslighting is coming to me, you know, that where you might not be, you might put yourself into question when in fact it's someone else that is. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I questioned myself quite a bit in, in my early career. I'd come home from work and cry and look in the mirror and say, what have I done or what didn't I do until I realized that maybe it wasn't me. Wow. And started saying, you know, maybe the leadership is treating other women as and in the same way. Maybe it's not focused on my person or my job, um, competent my competency in, in my job or my ability to do my work. But there was an there was an underlying message that you're a female, be quiet. And I was actually told that once in a wow. meeting. I asked questions to a, to the director of our site and uh, I was pulled into my boss's office after that and said, why were you asking questions in that meeting? I said, well, I'm a head of recruitment for 120 new factory workers in, t- in the next three months. I need to know what's going on with the, with the um, project. And he said, you were trying to get attention. So the next time you have questions, you write them down, you give them to me, and I will ask them. Unbelievable. I know. It was not, it was not cool. It was not cool at all. Um, I think it was because the director of the site actually respected me, and my boss felt that there was uh, that he didn't have that same respect, and I was being mm. pushed aside. And Were you uh, a threat potentially. For I was a threat potentially. And uh, after a couple of years of crying, I looked in the mirror one day and said, "Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to start fighting back." And I did. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I know you're going to be full of wisdom and ideas, though, <laughs> to already shorten that path for another young professional woman, that so she doesn't have to spend those years doubting and questioning and crying. I know we're going to get into it, though. Is there a thought that you have on the top of your head? My first thought is, if you have been hired into this position, it's because you're competent. Leaders don't hire people that aren't competent. And I've been having discussions around this with um, people in an organization at this at this point in time, because there was a reorg and women were um, hired into senior uh, leadership positions and people were saying, well, it's quotas. Like, well, even if there is a quota, they're not going to hire someone who's not competent. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's a lose-lose situation for the management and the women in those jobs. Mm-hmm. So I would say, if you've gotten the job, it's because you can do it. Mm-hmm. And remember to tell yourself that over and over again. That internal self-talk is so important. I'm yeah. competent. I'm capable. I'm a good person. I can contribute to the organization, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's excellent. So I guess I want to ask my first official question then. Is okay. <laughs> If we rewind to the beginning of your career, how did you choose to get into HR, more specifically leadership development? HR, it goes way back to when I still lived in the United States. I worked for Nordstrom. It was my first job. And uh, the the HR manager was actually someone I went to high school with. And she was such a wonderful person. And I thought she did such a great job taking care of people. And I have that, that maternal side of me, I guess. And I always thought that it would be a great career. And then I went from recruitment into uh, generalist into almost losing my job in 2010 with the economic downturn. At that point, I'd gone from a generalist to university relations, mm-hmm. and we weren't going to hire anyone. So my job was canceled. Oh, gosh. And my boss told me on a Friday at four o'clock, which you should never do, hey, Karen, you know, take your Christmas holidays, you know, enjoy, take care of your family. Take the time you need because you probably won't have a job when you come back in January. Yeah. And I came back on that Monday and I said, you know, Steve, not cool. <laughs> just say that to someone on a Friday afternoon, just at the corner of my desk. And uh, I said, you know, I have other things I can offer the organization. And I know that Elena needs help in leadership and talent development. And I know I can do it. So he allowed me to more or less create my own job description and it took off wow. from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so lucky because I love that company and I love the people and it was an amazing experience. And that is where I got the support, the mentoring, the coaching that I had always needed Mm -hmm. beforehand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how awesome that you had the confidence in yourself to declare that and to speak up and say, first of all, you know, reconsider the way you give people bad news. And that's exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's impressive. Yeah, and so knowing that you've worked in the, with this international corporation, how did that shape you? Like, what were some of the learnings? Good, the bad, the ugly, and, and in guess, that organization. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to add one more question: is like navigating the patriarchy in your place as a woman in these well, organizations. You were talking about that a little bit earlier, though. So maybe take the well. First that's part. What, yeah. Well, how the international organization shaped me. Yeah. Okay. So I think coming out of the patriarchal organization, which I, I, I had been working for almost 10 years, it felt like going home when I arrived at Eaton. It was this, this family approach and it, they'd say it, but they meant it. Yeah. I felt like I was back working for Nordstrom again. I, and I told them that I said, this is, this is a testament to you because it was such a family environment and so pro-employee. And I found that again with Eaton and it really aligned with my values just and that, had a great discount on awesome shoes. <laughs> the only thing that's missing. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. no, but what I talk about Eaton was it was they didn't have discount on shoes. It was, <laughs> but um, it was really in. I was finally in alignment with my values. Uh-huh. I had felt so out of alignment with my values for so long, and uh, I found that. So the international. Um, side of it was I already had that at Philip Morris, but. Um, Philip Morris has changed a lot since I was there. So I, I want to underline that as well. It was, it was life-changing 
working with people from all over Eastern Europe, Central Europe, Middle East, Africa. Um, it The cultural diversity was a gift, I think. And um, I think the hardest part was the matrixed environment. Who do, who do I have to include in my messaging, my communication? Mm. You know, Karen, you're not including everyone. So that was something I heard enough uh, often. So I wasn't quite sure who I was supposed to bring into my circle of communication mm. because we had the businesses, we had the corporate, we had the divisions, we had XA, you know. So yeah. And it was it was wonderful. It was a wonderful almost nine years. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. And loved eating. Yep. And I'm guessing that sense of feeling like, you know, so similar to your first experience at Nordstrom, that aligning with your values just caused you to generate even more energy and ideas and commitment to them. Yeah. My positive energy and optimism was seen as a plus and not as a negative, which I was told several times to calm down and not share ideas or that I was taking up too much space where afterwards it was it was welcomed. And I am a very optimistic person. And I do believe that optimism helps us through tough times and help yeah. us, helps us to be resilient and uh so that side of me was embraced, which was which was quite nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, did you want to add something else before I? No, I was going to say I did have one boss, uh, not my great boss, but one person once say to me that I shouldn't be in HR. This was at Eaton because I cared about people too much. And I was kind of like going, "Where's the human part of human resources?" Right? And I said, "Well, I'm going to very strongly disagree with you on that." I said, "When you care about people." and they are happy, and we are developing them and supporting them, we are caring about the bottom line. Because she said, I care too much people about people, therefore you don't care about the bottom line. And I'm like, oh. I, no, I see a, a complete parallel, or no, you know, complete connection there. Happy, developed, competent workers equals a great bottom line. Yeah. I was very surprised that someone would say that to me. Yeah. But years later, I was still in the company and she wasn't so... Um, so yeah, um, I think we don't have enough kindness at work. I don't think we give enough time to care for people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do, but I think we need more of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. I guess the question I wanted to ask a moment ago was when you were talking about your optimism, you, you know, starting your own business at 55, that that's pretty bold. So I want to hear the why, the how, what worked, what didn't. You know, were you scared? Did you feel confident? And um, I'll just throw out another question. You can answer in whatever order you like. Is really how did your years of experience, both in your personal life and professional life, impact you in that decision and that launching your pro- this project? Yeah. Well, it was something that I had in the back of my mind for quite some time. This is what I'll do towards the end of my career. Oh, and every okay. year, and every year I, I would say next year, then next year, the next year, because I loved Eaton. I loved my company. I loved my job. I loved my boss. I had the greatest setup. And so I kept dragging my feet. And I knew one day my job would be removed from Switzerland because I was too expensive. We had opened offices in Prague and in Budapest. And uh, it came at a moment where I wasn't expecting it. I was quite shocked, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was like, okay, Karen, now you got to go. And I just, mm. I just, I just started doing it. I was like, get a logo, get some colors. I've, 
um, and and let's start going and start networking. And uh, the greatest thing was is that my company Eaton was my first client, so they had no replacement for me except their only their only um concern at that time was cutting costs. Mm-hmm. So my job was removed, but they didn't have a backup in Budapest. So I did my same job for almost a year as a consultant. Then I chose to do some freelance because getting my name out there and working through other people while I built my business. And that was great. So the first year, 2016, was awesome. It was easy. Lots of free time, money coming in, no problem. Early 2017. Okay, before we move to 2017. Yeah, go ahead. It's, you said it, it was a shock and I could imagine what a, thank God you had already been imagining this plan because yeah. you were able to jump right in. Right. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what if you had zero thought of an alternative plan or, you know, one day down the road? All right. And I guess also curious, what made it such a shock for you? Well, the shock was, which is very interesting how it happened. I was in charge of the, the graduate talent program. I had 90 kids, I call them my kids, in this gr- graduate talent program that was a two-year program. And every year we had an annual conference where we brought them all together. Otherwise, I did this, right? Virtual training and coaching and programs and stuff. But we were going to be having our, our program in Prague that summer in July and never seen a company redo their budgets as much as Eaton had. Every month they'd say, redo the budget, redo the budget, redo the budget. And in June, they said, we're not sure if we're going to have a conference or not. So hotels are booked, all the kids are excited, the airplanes have been booked, et cetera. You were booked (laughs) to be there. And uh, I said to my bot, if we cancel this conference, I'm going to quit. I said, I cannot tell my kids, my group of young, young students or young graduate talent, that we're going to do this and that we cancel it three weeks ahead of time. We keep telling them they are the, 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 the leaders of tomorrow. We cannot be credible if we send them that message and then cancel it. Mm-hmm. And she did everything in her power to make it go. Mm-hmm. She already knew that my job was going and she couldn't tell me. Mm-hmm. And so we had the conference. And the and the CEO, the president of the region at that time stood on the stage and said to the kids, "You are our future. You are important. Your development is key to us." And ten days later, they removed my job without a backup. And I said, "What are we telling them now?" So for me, there was a lack of transparency. For me, there was a lack of credibility. And that was the shock, not necessarily that my job was going, but how it was announced it. by the person um, who was president at that time. And um, I received 95 emails from, my, from every single one of my graduates thanking me for everything I'd done, how much they were going to miss me, et cetera. And I said, that's my legacy. And I said to the president, what's yours? So, yeah. And the fact that they brought you back in as a consultant for almost a year... <laughs> you know, yeah. clearly they knew the value you brought. And it really was. And I wasn't mad at them because it clearly, clearly was an economic decision. And that's their right. 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 And when I coach people or support people who've lost their jobs, mm-hmm. I'm like, they owe you nothing. Yeah. They pay you for the job that you do. They have to um, respect your contractual, you know, 
uh, obligations, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't owe you a lifetime job. Yeah. So I wasn't upset with them from that. They made a economic business decision, and I am okay with that. Right. Right. It was the way in which they, the message to the graduate talent program. At the same time, they were removing my job without having something there for them to be safe bothered me. But then, you know, my boss said, just stay and keep working and do this. And then I helped bring on the new person who was in Budapest. And I worked for the company for several years, you know, so they're still a client. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now 2017, let's go back to the timeline. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That was a scary moment because I had been doing a lot of... um, a lot of networking, and which was great, Amy, was that a lot of people in my organization had also lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge reorganization going on. So I had, I had friends and HR colleagues that had moved to different companies around Switzerland or the EMEA region who said, I want to work with you and I want to work with you and I know you, I've, I want to work with you. But nothing was coming in. I brought in so little money in the first four months of the, um, of. 2017, I started to panic. And as you know, in Switzerland, as an independent business owner, you don't get unemployment. So I was dwindling my my savings. And one night, I love this story. One night, my my dear friend Katrina, who worked with me to eat and I'd hired her um, years ago, came over for dinner and I told her how nervous I was. Said, everyone keeps saying they want to work with me, but nothing's coming in. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had spent the night at my house and gone back, gone off to work. And I'd gone up to the office to put away the hide a bed and whatever. And there was a post-it on my, on my desk that said, keep it up, Karen, you're the best. Love cats. And it was actually on my lamp and it's still on my lamp today. <laughs> um, it's the, it was the encouragement to just keep going, keep yeah. doing that networking, keep making yeah. those calls, keep writing those emails. And in April, my business took off and I've never looked back. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? And that's, so what I'm hearing is uh, by proxy, someone was offering you positive (laughs) self thoughts. Yeah. Cause I was running out of them at that point. (laughs) I was really running out of them. (laughs) Nothing left. I was panicking. I was running out of money and uh, little negative thoughts were coming in and it just, and all of a sudden it just took off and it was fabulous and it's been fabulous, still fabulous. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So um, when you look back on that and you walk us through it, what, what are the nuggets for you? What are some of the learnings? If you are meeting someone who's starting their business today. Yeah. Don't give up. I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, you see that famous cartoon where the person's digging, looking for the gold and they stop and it's right behind right. that wall after, after days and days of, of digging. So I think it's not give up, but also be realistic. Mm-hmm. Some of the things I did was, I did, um, I did uh, freelance. So I offered my services through com- other companies that were already established doing mm-hmm. what I wanted Smart. to do in order to cover my basis in terms yeah. of, of money. And, um, and I started, you know, opening that, that floodgate of networking. But when you network, you have to offer something in return. You can't just say, hey, I want to work with you. Let, let's, let's work. Can you call me? Can you give me a job kind of thing? So mm-hmm you have to be able to offer something in return. And my offer was, hey, if you need me to look at your resume or to coach you on something, I'd be happy to do that too. Nice. And people took me up on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is a spirit of generosity. Um, The, the, 
when I was listening to you, what came up for me was you're going to fail. And fail is failure is not permanent. It's it's just part of the whole process. It's like saying, you know, you're going to have this life as a human being and it's going to be a weird analogy. Um, and you're going to have to say, go for it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, sometimes you're going to have to be, it's really boring and you're going to have to go to bed and you have to do that regularly. And I know it won't be fun. And it's part of the, the process. So I guess that's another thing that I would add to your list is because what happened for me when I first started was um, it like listening to you is similar is that the sense of devastation, even just, you know, one person would turn me down or, and every, because every time I would send an offer out, I'm like, yes, yes, they're going to take it. And this is it. Well, no, they're not going to say yes, hundred percent of the time. And yeah. so to not get devastated when people say no. Right. Well, and what's interesting about the networking thing is how often do you follow up? That was what was the hardest part. You follow up so that you stay in their memory, yeah. but you want to follow up not too often to become a pest, to become a burden, like leave me alone. So my, ex-vice president HR had said, I want to work with you. I'm getting settled in my new job. We'll do this. I wrote her. She said, I'm not ready yet. I wrote her. Happy Easter. Happy this. And in September, I thought, I'm starting to bother her. So I wrote her and said, I don't want to bother you. You said you wanted to work with me. Let me know if you still do. And if you can't or don't want to, just be honest with me. She wrote me back. I'll call you tonight. I have something for you. And there, and then there we were. (laughs) So it worked. It did work. Hey, Karen, before um, I'm going to take a break here and listeners, if you want to connect with Karen, find out more about her, you can find her directly on LinkedIn, Karen Cody Zimmerman, and that's K-A-R-E-N and then Cody C-O-D-Y and Zimmerman Z-I for the Americans, Z-I-M, because I'm so European. Um, Z-I-M-M-E-R-M-A-N-N. So two M's, two N's on that one. Well, actually, and, Zimmerman is no longer on my LinkedIn profile. Oh, good. I so took it off. Karen Cody. Okay, uh, good. And yeah. then you can also go to her website, CodyInternational.com. And listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers to the next decade, join me for my online leadership course. You'll find details on my website, CarolCoaching.com. And when we come back, we'll be hearing more from Karen. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. 
visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is Karen Cody, which I discovered during the break means Cody stands for uh, helper or being helpful in Irish. Is that what you said, Karen? Yeah. Very cool. And thought it worked well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's appropriate. Well, you know, we've been discussing how Karen combines her natural ability to connect with others along with her professional and life experiences, and how she offers an array of leadership programs to build competency and empower individuals. And the, where we left off just before the break was Karen's um, path to building her own business. And Karen, I'm curious to know because I know my experience, having been in business just before COVID for almost 20 years, and then COVID hitting was nonetheless a bit of a shock for me. And I'm curious to hear what was COVID like for you on your business? Yeah, thanks, um, Amy. It was was definitely a shock. I had uh, just the day before we had done the shutdown in in Switzerland, I had done um, uh, a face-to-face program. And then I had three or four trips back-to-back coming in March, April, and from one day to the next, everything was canceled. And from one day to the next, I had no money coming in, no no projects, no nothing, everything, everything. But I think not only did we cancel everything that was face-to-face, and that's what I was doing most of, most of the time, we'd canceled projects due to fear of not getting money coming in. Nobody knew how that was going to pan out. And I thought, well, okay, this is March. I have enough money to hold me through till September, and we'll see what happens. And then I thought, I need to start proposing options. So that agile mindset and contacted my different clients and said, let's turn our face-to-face programs into virtual programs. So not only did I do that, I was paid to re- to reformat them and then create in- digital e-learnings as well. And then the virtual formats and that kind of thing. So I ended up having an even more successful year in 2020 because there some of my clients thought, Things are slowing down, so this is a perfect opportunity to give development and opportunities to our employees. They're pouring money into it, which was great. But not only that, since I wasn't traveling, I wasn't one day on the road, three days in a seminar, and one day on the road. I had seminars five days or project work five days a week. So 2020 ended up being an uh, another awesome year. So, <laughs> and Isn't yeah, that so crazy. Yeah, how could you have imagined? No. Because I started to panic a little bit, sure. and I thought, "Okay, wait a minute, stop, think. Mm. How do we turn this mm. around?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'd been doing virtual trainings for years when I was head of the graduate talent program in Eaton, because I wasn't traveling to see all the the um, the young graduates uh, every month. So we did a lot in the virtual world anyway. So I was comfortable mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. 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 Oh wow. Yeah, I um, had a similar experience to just every yeah. you know, full schedule and just dropped off a cliff. And that's uh, shortly after that, I got an email saying, would you like to be a radio show host? And I've always wanted to be a radio show host. So I thought that somebody was pranking. And now you are. 
Well, you know, I just, really, I was like, oh my God, who, you know, somebody knows this dream of mine. This is so mean. This is not nice. And so then oh, I, love it. I did my due diligence and I searched, you know, l- re- investigated Voice America. And I was like, oh no, this is legitimate. Oh, this, you know, so oh, yeah. it was very cool. So then for a year and a half, year and a quarter, I did the radio show one show a week. Um, and in 2020, when my business had dropped, so it stayed low compared to what yours was for that from March to December, it was doing the radio show was great. though in January, work started picking up. So doing the radio show, um, the, for, I guess that whole Latin year in 2021 became, um, quite the challenge. (laughs) Yeah. So I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing it because you're so good at it. And I've seen a few of your programs and some of your interviews. I think it's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, It's fun. And it helps me to, like, I have to really force myself to walk my talk of not being perfect, of staying in conversation mode, of letting the mistakes happen. Of, yeah. And then, you, so a lot of my improv training has helped me to be successful yeah. at it. Good. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen you improv yet. I'm waiting to do that. Oh, really? Um, I would love to, but every time you've, you've sent me an email or okay. saying, Hey, I'm doing it. I've not been around. I'm right. I not in town very show. often. <laughs> okay. cool. Listeners don't care though. Yeah, yeah. For a local event. And then I'll also let you know when I start doing it in French again. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. So um, <laughs> thank you listeners for letting us have that little moment of chatting. And now my next question, Karen. You yes. know, I know you do conferences specifically for women to build their self-confidence yeah. um, <clears throat> for the credibility in the workplace. You teach emotional intelligence, positive self-talk. We've heard that a couple of times. Accepting mistakes, failures, assertiveness. So that's some of the things we, I also mentioned. And more than that, why is it? You've mentioned part of the reason why you're so passionate about female leadership in particular. In addition to what you said earlier, about wishing you had that wanting young female future leaders to have it as well. What else, what are some of the other reasons you're so passionate about it? It's my happy spot. It's my happy spot. I think I've always said that I always had the happiest part of HR when at the end of the day, you're giving someone, and in this case, women tools and mentoring and coaching to bring up their, their self-confidence and, and, and build in, in, in internal self, positive self-talk and go after those, those jobs, et cetera. I'm happy at the end of the day because they're happy. And that, that makes, you know, makes my job so, so much fun. I, I think that um, we need to talk about the fact that often women are, can be, well, can be less. Um, I'm running a program. Again? Women can so, be. Women show up with lack of self-confidence in a different way than men. Got it. Okay. Because I give a lot of these programs for women. And my son said to me one day, well, how come you don't do it for men? Because there are men that that suffer from lack of self-confidence. I said, well, it shows up differently. And I resonate with how it shows up within women, like doubting yourself and, um, you know, blaming yourself and then getting into the spiral where you just stop talking or bringing things up in meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So I really resonate with that. And um, I think we need more women leaders. I think we need 
more of that nurturing side. And, and that's very stereotypical. And I still believe that there's a lot of nurturing there and that we need more of that. We need that balance in, in the workplace. And, uh, you know, and I have two daughters as well, and I see them being, you know, standing up, being confident and going after what they, they want to do and, and, and need to do. And I think it's, I think it's really cool. And um, we hold on to things that we've heard when we were young, uh, you're not going to make it, or you're just a girl, or you don't need to do that. You should find a husband or um, a partner or, you know, it's too hard for you. I heard that when I was in grade school and it wasn't that I wasn't capable. I was in a school system that wasn't challenging me. And then I went off to a private, uh, highly academic school and I, I was on the Dean's list for three and a half years. So you have to, push yourself. And my mom pushed me. I'm, I'm very lucky for that. My mom pushed me, but I think that we need to continue to tell ourselves that, tell each other that and, and bring in and, and lift each other together. Yeah. Cause I've had women lift me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just now a thought popped into my mind. I, I've always considered myself pretty confident and I've still okay. had myself doubts. Sure. Shortly after starting my own business, two, three years into it, a colleague who I saw as I sort of had her on a pedestal. She was well-established and organized. And on top of it, she always looked great and had cute outfits. And (laughs) one day she said to me, Amy, you and I should present together on stage. This was the most outrageous idea in my mind, Karen, that I actually kind of playfully punched her in the arm, sort of slapped, like, what are you you crazy? And I, I have, I can't even imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't taken that step, because it's one of my favorite things in the world. I, I have a hard time even believing that I was even worried or scared or wouldn't have considered doing that. Me too. Right. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know you. Yeah. And so that came from someone else planting a seed. Mm-hmm. So um, I think one of the things for listeners is, you know, if you want to inspire yourself and inspire others is to, uh, when you see something in someone, say it. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it I think that comes from some security announcement, though. In this case, it's, you know, for self, <laughs> you know, for confidence building. Yeah. Because we tend to be our, uh, you know, our, those inner critics can be on overdrive. And then yeah. the other side, and tell me what you think about this, is the daring to speak up. So yeah. I, I started taking French lessons recently to take my French to the next level because it's kind of mediocre still. And okay. I told this woman because her, she's a great teacher. And she said, Amy, I want you to listen to podcasts in French or watch TV shows on Netflix. So I started watching Call My Agent, which is a film on Netflix, a, a TV series on Netflix okay. based in Paris. And it's all about the movie industry. And it's got like real stars who play themselves. And it's very funny and entertaining. So we okay. spent one of my set French lessons breaking it down, analyzing it and the expressions and everything. And in that conversation, I said to her, you know, I have a fantasy of acting in a French like movie or TV show as the, the, the American, because I couldn't play anything else except the American with the really strong French accent and, <laughs> and the really mediocre grammar. Oh yeah. And, and she was just, she was like, yes, 
Well, and she literally said, well, send pictures to these agencies. I'm like, I I was just, uh, hold on a second, you know, so I'll come with you. (laughs) So cool. I know. And so it, who knows if that comes though, if it does listeners, you heard it here that all it was, was a silly idea I pitched to someone and they took it with full fully embraced and like, yes, that's very doable. And why don't you take this first step? Exactly. Why don't you take that first step? And I'm working with a group of three groups of women, 30 women in each group, three sessions of empowerment with the EPFL, the École Politique Technique Fédérale de Lausanne. And um, they are female engineers, and we're doing this empowerment piece on confidence and stuff. And I had the second sessions these last uh, 10 days, and I had women tell me what they were doing. And a woman said, I applied for the job. I did it. And I got it. Someone else said, I asked for a promotion. Never in my life, I would have thought to ask for a promotion. Her boss was shocked because no one had ever asked for a promotion, but said, I'm really going to consider this. Um, I had them saying things like, I've stopped apologizing for things I don't do um, that are not my responsibility. So those are those little things that I'm hoping are helping women every day. Yeah. Yeah. There's a book that just came out in 2022, and I just finished listening to it, and you have to listen to it or read it. Okay. And I want to share it with listeners because it's so spot on with this topic. It's called Leadership is Your Superpower. And the author- I heard the Zoe, title. Yeah. Zoe Chance. <gasps> Wowie kazowie. And I, I love listening to books, and it's read by the author, which to me makes it even more mm-hmm. personalized. Mm-hmm. And she's just, she preaches so much what of you, what you and I teach people. And she adds all of this fascinating research and information about influence. And that is so tangible and easy to hold on to. So that's a recommendation I have for listeners. Okay, good. But yeah. yeah, I like that. So Karen, you brought me into your last company. We mentioned that. And you're very familiar with the predator-prey partner model. So let me, for the listeners, give a a quick lecturette on it. So let's do listeners. And yeah, and and ask, add anything or ask questions if you want, Karen. So listeners, this is a communication model. My sister, Pat Kirkland developed, and it's called predator, prey, or partner. (laughs) And the, most of the time, most of us are behaving as partners. Like right now, Karen and I, we're holding high respect for each other and for ourselves all as well. The problem is under pressure, stress, perceived threat, crisis, COVID, or just if we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we could slip into one of the other extremes. The predator, she is a person who tends to hold too much respect for herself and not enough for others. So if Karen and I were having a disagreement and I was feeling like a predator, I might say this, Karen, but Karen... Karen, would you, would you just let me speak, please? <laughs> so I've got aggressiveness, I've got sarcasm, I've got the word but in there. Just doesn't sound good coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the prey, that's spelled P-R-E-Y, could sound something like this in that same conversation. But Karen, I, I'm so sorry. I know, I'm, I'm really sorry. Karen, it's just, could I, could, I, could I just explain? I'm sorry, could I? And even though those two are a bit, um, archetypes are, you know, exaggerated. This is where a lot of communication breakdown happens. The predator will damage the relationship, leave the other person angry or disrespected. The prey can often, this is the worst part, trigger someone to become a predator towards us. 
So anything you would add to the model based on what I said? Yeah, no, first of all, I love it. And that's how we met, right? You were doing the prey predator, partner predator, prey, prey predator partner, I can't even put it in the right order, model at Medtronic, which was across the street from Eaton. And that was probably 2007, 2008, right? Exactly. And you brought me up on stage and you said, <laughs> you told me to yell at you. And I yelled yes. and I was not comfortable because yelling is, you know, aggressiveness right. is not my thing. I'm, I avoid conflict, uh, which is not good either, but uh, <laughs> it's not my, it's not, those kinds of things are not my favorite emotions. And so I started yelling at you and you and I was saying, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. I can't believe it. And I'm, I'm really upset and you're not going to get this. And you just went, okay, mm -hmm. I hear you. I understand. And the more you did it, the more I was incapable of yelling at you. And I came down and then you told everyone, well, this is how you get the other person to partner mode. And it was so powerful. So, so powerful. And I have to tell you that I do talk about um, your model when I teach it sometimes and say, well, my friend and coach and trainer, Amy Carroll does this. And then I talk about, you know, when you're in high energy emotions like this, how many times do you solve a problem? I think you did this in one of the seminars. And when you both turn your backs, how do you solve a problem? But you want to be partner. Oh, and then I recommend your book and uh, do that because it, it, that little thing that I do, uh, and I think I took it from you, I can't even remember. It really clearly defines what is prey, predator, partner kind of yeah. thing. So, um, and so, yeah, I said, if you're down here and the other person's cowering, if you're both up here, or if you're both like this, so, um, yeah, I refer to your model a lot and I think it's, uh, it's really cool. So attend one of her seminars because she's awesome. I learned a lot from you. <laughs> That's cool, Karen. And I love the idea of the turning the backs to represent prey. I like that. I'll use that. It's just the walking away and, you know, and folding yourself into yourself and not mm. facing it, which mm. is more my style. <laughs> yeah. And I've listeners... Um, if you want to find out more about that demonstration that Karen did with me, where um, there's a short, well, not really a short video. It's like 11 minutes long <laughs> on my website, uh, how to neutralize the verbal aggressor. And that will show you the skills that will work almost every time. hundred percent of the time. No, no, way more than 50% of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Karen, I wanted to give all that backstory because my questions for you now are, um, how do you work with difficult customers and, and working with clients to ensure that partner approach? Yeah, um, I can give a few examples, but I think the most important is to stay in active listening mm. and, and, and in empathy. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that because it's going to take me somewhere else as well. Recent, and not recently, but probably a year or two ago, I had done a workshop for a client and stupid me, I said, I'll take a pictures of all of the flip charts and do a summary when the, the assistant to the team was there and uh, was being overly helpful and uh, shouldn't have at that time. So I took all the pictures and then my cell phone broke and those pictures were not on the cloud. And my client was so mad. But because I don't bring my ego into the equation, he have every right to be mad. He was mad about the situation. He mm. wasn't attacking me, mm. but his voice said was was high and he was angry. And so I let him, I just let him get it out. And then I said, you're absolutely right to be angry. You're absolutely right to be angry. How can I make this better? He's like, I don't know. You lost it all. I can't. I said, let me propose something. 
I'm coming back to your site in two weeks' time. I'll come a day early at my own cost, meet with the team. Everyone will remember what they contributed and will recapture. And he said, done. So problem solution, right? But not problem, oh my God, I'm, you know, et cetera. So problem solution and allowing him to be angry. Okay. And generously offering a solution. I mean, that was that summary was going to be the next step for them for the whole team moving right. forward. You understood how important it was. Yeah. What was really funny is three weeks later he I arrived and he announced to me that he was leaving the company and someone else was coming in. So we did something completely different with the team, but I did offer that. Um so so yeah, and I think and this is what I tell people. This is what I tell people when dealing with difficult emotions or people with high negative emotions in front of you. I have now learned because it has taken me a long time. So I'm not perfect in managing people who are high emotions in front of me. I ask myself three questions. What value do they hold dearly that has been betrayed? Mm. What need does this person have that's not being met? Mm. What are they afraid of? Okay. We have, what value do they hold dearly that's not being met? No. What value do they hold dearly that has been betrayed? Betrayed. What, what do need? they need? Do they have that has not been met? What are they afraid of? And if I can ask those things in my head, wow. I, can re- I can connect with empathy. I can connect with empathy and then be able to ask those questions. Not necessarily those questions, Well, you could if you felt safe to ask a question like that. Do you need something that you don't have or are you fearful of something? Mm -hmm. But you could ask more general questions Mm -hmm. like, I I, I feel that you're angry. Am I right that that's your emotion? Mm -hmm. And how can I help you? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So being able to do that. Yeah. Oh, Karen. I'll send you the... (laughs) Need a fear. Wow. That's value, need, fear. And I love yeah. it because it, I can see how if we focus there, we don't take it, we're less likely to take it personally. Yeah. Yeah. So I can give you one other really strong example. Yeah. When I was at Eaton, and this is when I started thinking, well, I actually thought about this person's need. Someone had wrote me a very nice short email. Nobody copied in the email and said, I'd like to hire an engineer in my program, in, in, my, in my department from your talent program. And none of the engineers were in Switzerland because of costs of salary and stuff. They were all in Prague. So I wrote him back saying, hey, thanks for asking. There's no R&D program in, in Switzerland or something like that. He wrote me back and coffee 23 of the management team to, up to the highest person in their division. And it was in red and exclamation points and underlined, I can't believe you want to help me. I want to develop talent. Uh, uh, if you're not going to help me, I want to know who will. Uh, this is in ridiculous. Da 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 da. I suppose ten years earlier, I might have cried and thought, you know, my career's been ruined and whatever. And I thought, I just sat there and thought, where's the anger coming from? Mm-hmm. I was polite in my email. It had nothing to do with me. My ego does not belong there. This is not about me. And um, so, I wrote him back copying all of the managers and said, dear so-and-so, thank you so much for your passion around developing young talent. Let me clarify my earlier email. Didn't apologize. Nice. Fully understanding we have R&D because they said, don't you know what we do in these sites? Mm. Fully understanding we have R&D at this site and this site and this site. What I was communicating to you is that we do not have a graduate talent program in Switzerland due to the high cost of salaries, benefits. They're all in Prague. However, if you do have the budget, Ha ha ha. 
I'm willing to talk to, to help you. Of course, I will help you find someone. The recruitment for this year has been finished. We can talk about next year. I'll send you a meeting request for Wednesday. Mm. And uh, again, thanks again for all your passion. Blah, blah. He wrote me back and said, thanks so much. See you Wednesday. And that's the partner that I learned from you is what do oh you want God. at the you end is the best aside. results possible. And he didn't copy them when he thanked me. But a week later, I went oh. to the um, cafeteria and saw the, the highest director who was copied in that email. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, Karen, across the way. And I said, what? And he goes, nice job. And I said, kill them with kindness. <gasps> because what the problem was, was he had a huge project, yep. no budget, and needed and wanted a graduate talent in his team because I held 65% of the budget for salary and, and, uh, and benefits. So he was looking for a solution for me I couldn't give him. Got it. Yeah. Karen, I love the uh, story of how you kept your ego to the side and used those three questions of values, needs, fear to guide you. And we it was... Are- Need. Yeah. We are at, and I sadly need to wrap up the show. Okay. So, cool. <laughs> um, Karen, in, in one sentence or less, what is um, what are projects you have? That's for one question. The second one is, you, what is a call for action you have for the listeners? Okay. Every year I do a very small, intimate um, program for women on self confidence, building self confidence. It will be in September from the 8th to the 11th. It's over a weekend so that women don't have to take off too much time from work. We finish on Sunday around 11 a.m. or or noon. It's here in Switzerland at uh, the Hotel de Trois-Couronnes, and it's eight people, and and I'm going to be very soon putting it up on my website with this year's dates, but there there is already a description from last year. So that's coming up. Okay. So listeners, you can find that on her website. And I would say that would be my call for action is to go and check out Karen's website and get this, uh, learn out, learn more about that program now in English. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. In English. Yeah. Listeners feel free to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes via email or social media. And I'll read them, discuss them on future shows and make suggestions. My email is Amy at Carol coaching. For those of you um, who are moms, happy belated Mother's Day for all you amazing women. And once again, if you can want to connect with Karen, you can do so on LinkedIn, Karen Cody, or her website, CodyInternational.com. Be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next month. I'll be interviewing Ted, Terry Real, who will be indulging us with details on his newest book release. Check out my website for more information, carolcoaching.com, or feel free to check out my social media channel, Amy Carol Coaching. Thank you, Karen. It has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. I really much appreciate it. You're awesome. I love what you do. And I love you as a friend as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carol on the Voice America Business Channel. Be the best partner you can be and make this Friday the 13th a lucky day. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.